And in this episode, we sit down with Matt and Stephanie, the husband and wife team behind Range Urgent Care. We get into a lot. They are reimagining healthcare uh, and, and, and doing some really incredible work here in Asheville. Before we get into the episode, let's check out a soundbite. You're uh, being selective in what you take for granted as an assumption um, and getting stripping off all the uh, the non-essential assumptions. And so some of the, the things as it pertains to, to range are, you know, what do we wear at range? Well, obviously you wear scrubs um, when you're in a healthcare environment. Uh, and so kind of my take on it is like, well, let's not assume that we wear scrubs. Let's let's rebuild that aspect too. And maybe we land on scrubs, uh, but let's kind of solve that problem again um, and take into some of these more modern variables. Um, and so that would be one example where at range we, we landed on uh, shirts like this one that Atlas branding did for us. Um, and the main, it's not a kind of an accidental choice. Um, it's very intentional Welcome to Making It in Nashville, a podcast where you get to hear the stories behind some of your favorite artists and local businesses here in town. Each episode, we interview a different local Ashevillian to uncover their story, how they're making it in Nashville, and provide you with actionable insights from each conversation that you can then apply to your own work and life. And we are your hosts. That was Sarah and I am Tony, and we are a husband and wife team that moved to Asheville in May of 2019, a year ago. Holy smokes. And, and in arriving to Asheville without a full-blown plan or knowing exactly what we were going to do, we decided to start a podcast, ask people questions about their businesses, about how they were making it in Asheville. And in this episode, episode 53... Uh, mm -hmm. We do something really, really special. So we've only had a couple husband and wife teams on before. We've not done anything yet in healthcare. Uh, and in this episode, we get to interview our first ever sponsor. And so typically right now, we would tell you a lot about uh, Range Urgent Care. But in this episode, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it short and we'll say that Range is a very special brand of urgent care facility. It is unlike anyone that you have gone to before, I'm certain. Uh, unlike anything I've gone to before, it feels more like an REI than a DMV, and they're doing some things fundamentally different, like transparent pricing. So every time you go into range, you know you're either going to spend $149, or you know that you are a subscription member and are playing a low monthly fee to spread uh, payments out over the course of a year. Uh, those concepts are just part of how they have tried to reimagine what a uh, urgent care facility could look like and what healthcare could look like. And so we were very excited about this episode. And I'll just end our advertiser segment with saying that uh, we have worked with Range to come up with a very special offer for you, a Making It in Asheville listener. And that offer is a, a free month of a subscription plan. I have the year subscription plan. Uh, I, I love it. I And you can You'll understand why and all the details about their business and ways that you can be served from this episode. So if you want to learn more about the special offer, you can go to makingitinashville.com forward slash 
range. Making it a Nashville.com forward slash range. Thank you. So we have now uh, concluded our intro advertiser portion and are going into this episode's portion. Sarah, yeah. tell me about this episode. What stands out to you? I know that you were super excited about talking with a husband and wife team. Yes. Yeah, so we've only interviewed really like a handful of husband and wife teams. I'd say less than a handful. I think just one, maybe. Yeah. Can't think uh, of anybody else. I think we just interviewed Atlas Branding. Yep. So as a husband and wife team, Tony and I were really excited because we love getting to hear about how other husband and wives work together, own a business together, spend all their time together because that's what we do. Um, so we talk a little bit about that dynamic in the episode and they share with us sort of how they divide their task and how they are able to work successfully without wanting to get divorced. <laughs> um, and we also get to hear a lot about their story of how they got the idea for mm. this. Um, you know, Stephanie has a strong medical background. Matt has a very strong business background. They came together and they had a lot of business ideas, which we talk about. And their first one was not a walk-in clinic. Um, that came much later. So we get to hear the story about that. Um, we talk a little bit about how they thought about reimagining it. So they spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what does traditional healthcare look like and how can we make it different? And the standout there mm -hmm. is this idea of first principle thinking. And I and I cannot, yeah, I, I will, we'll figure out what the time is on that, but please yeah. uh, listen through to get to first, first principle thinking. That concept is such a big deal. In, in essence, it says, question all of the assumptions that you are mm -hmm. bringing into your business or into an industry question all of them and don't take the answer of because that's how we've always done it um as a as a good enough answer and when you when you challenge the status quo you end up with something that looks like range urgent care and it's a very special thing yeah and then a couple of other things that i think are really helpful for people in nashville or just business owners one is that matt and stephanie define some healthcare terms and give us sort of some tips and advice for getting healthcare, whether you know it's insurance or having a health savings account. Mm -hmm. uh, they kind of break everything down for us in a really simplified way. Um, and they also share, well, Matt shares a little bit about his strategy for motivating employees. So if you're a small business here in town, you have employees and maybe you're struggling with this, I think Matt has some really great insight on that. Yeah. And we have uh, books that we link to in our show notes page um, and all of the resources and uh, interesting points that happen in this episode also happen on our show notes page. But um, rather than tell you that there are an exciting and uh, vast amount of information and details and, and, and ideas that are shared in this episode, let's just share the episode. Let's dive in. All right. Episode 53 with Matt and Stephanie of Range Urgent Care. Please enjoy. here uh, with Matt and Stephanie, and please tell us a little bit about yourselves and Range Urgent Care. Uh, I am Matthew, uh, co-founder of Range Urgent Care. We are a urgent care operation located in North Asheville off of Merriman. Um, Stephanie? I am Stephanie Trowbridge. Matt is my husband. We're a husband and wife team, um, also a co-founder and medical director of Range Urgent Care. 
I love that. We're we're really excited to interview uh, yet again another husband and wife team. We've we've had only a handful of them so mm-hmm. far on the podcast, and so this is really fun for us because we are a husband and wife team uh, who own a business together, and so lots of questions about that later. Um, but I guess let's go back a little bit to um, how did we get here? Like, how, where did the idea? Well, maybe let's start with how did you guys meet and then where did this idea come from to start a urgent care clinic in Asheville? I can do that one. So both Matt and I graduated um, from Clinton University. We met, he was my neighbor, um, senior year in college, and we met, became best friends, Um, eventually started dating and got married and moved to Asheville in 2015. Is that when we moved here? Yeah. Yeah. I am an emer- and uh, I'm an emergency physician working in an ER here, and Matt was getting his MBA. Um, super creative brain that just wanted to create something that was his own. We went through a, a bevy of options, and <laughs> it all finally- started with a dog park, if you'll believe it or not. No, uh, wow. Range, yeah. Range was supposed to be a dog park. I'll just say it. Oh, uh, that's why the okay makes sense because your logo <laughs> involves a dog, doesn't it? Or like a no, part of it, your branding involves a dog? Am I th- am I imagining no. that? Uh, maybe in spirit. In spirit, I think it does. Oh, okay. Um, so we were actually we were in Raleigh at the time before we moved to Asheville, um, and kind of in a transition phase for myself. Uh, career-wise, and I was churning through all kinds of ideas about what my venture would be, Uh, and I was seriously going down this dog park uh, path. I was was meeting with the score office in Raleigh uh, and um, planning this whole thing out. It was going to be this next-level dog park, and I got zero traction with my family. So (laughs) So the and, and his mom, who is also an integral part of our, our lives and our business decisions, did a lot of head shaking through that entire process where, no, we ain't doing it. We're not doing it. Sick, despite my enthusiasm. So, yeah. I, I think that's interesting. I think that's, I, I have so many questions about that uh, and how it <laughs> evolved, but it, it's, I'd love to hear what would have made that dog park special. And I'll say, and I'll ask that because your urgent care and I'm using hand quotes uh, process is seems so different. It zigs where everything else has zagged historically. What would have made this hypothetical dog park that got no traction yeah. interesting? Cause I imagine it had to have been different. Well, and, and, yeah. we, and you were thinking about starting this in Asheville, correct? Or in Raleigh? Uh, this is actually going to be in Raleigh. Oh, okay. yeah, I had property picked out okay. the whole thing. Got it. Um, so, uh, yes, it was, it was going to be, and we can actually spend the rest of the podcast <laughs> yeah. talking about this. Dog. I'm all into that. Uh, so we have a constant problem when we take our dog to the dog park. He just walks around and like eats mulch and like he's not getting exercise. When you take your dog to the dog park, you want him to get exercise. Right. So there was this risk when we went to dog parks that there would be no activity. Uh, and we just bring our dog back and he might have walked 50 feet over the course of the two hours. Um, so this would be a very engaged dog park. There would be different, uh, kind of activities available. Um, it'd be a membership based, uh, dog park. There you go. Um, there would be coffee, there would be beer, uh, there'd be adult activities. Cause that's the other thing. 
Uh, so I'm thinking like rock of, climbing gym is, I, I don't want to, because well, like bad. rock climbing yeah. gym vibe, but for dogs yeah. or like a, the, yeah. the kind of bouncy spaces that kids will go into now, but for as a dog park. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's also a super entertaining thing to watch dogs play. So you wouldn't even necessarily have to have a dog to come to the dog park. You'd also just come get a beer and watch some dogs play. So, yeah, probably, so. probably some music involved uh-huh. and agility. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. There was, yeah. So let's well, not, I mean, it's just on the shelf. Path. Yeah, it's on the shelf. It's not... <laughs> It's not out in pasture. It's on the shelf. And I think so. The reason why I wanted to ask about that is because I, the my one of my personal goals, it's not as we don't need to go into huge detail, but I would be interested in is uh, range urgent care seems to be so different than what exists. And for that reason, it is compelling to us. Like we're excited about having you in our community. Um and I, I hope that it's in some way over this conversation, there's like process or theory or something that's transferable where people can say, I'm do-, like, this isn't new. An urgent care model isn't new, but our approach to it is, and that is a moat in some way, a differentiator from competition and a reason why uh, people want to fund us and people choose us uh, as, you know, the their service provider. And so... The tra- we'll go to the beginning again, the transition from dog park to something else. You could only get no's so much by the people that you love. Yeah. What happens next? Wait, wait, but what were some of the other ideas? Oh, house flipping was another one. That's yeah. pretty basic. Yeah. Not, yeah. As, not as exciting, but, but uh, a career anyway, potentially. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, I think our transition started, I think it's fair to say during fellowship, um, after residency, I spent a year just working in 911 services and EMS and working with some like real innovators in that field. And they were pushing at that time, which this is now a pretty widespread concept, but at the time they were pushing community paramedicine, which was essentially paramedics going into the home of people to help keep them out of the hospital and really taking healthcare just one step beyond what EMS does anyway of just taking healthcare outside of the hospital, but actually into the home um, and keeping people out of the ER. And it's a great service. It really provides that service to a lot of um, underserved areas. And so Matt and I were like, well, that would be a great thing to expand to, to everybody, to the general public. I think a lot of people would really like to get care in their home and stay out of the hospital period. So Really, our initial our initial brainchild was how to do that, how to deliver healthcare outside of the hospital to all comers. Um, and I think we kicked around the idea of event medicine. We were going to try to do some venue stuff and at festivals um, and concerts, and wow. and that's really where my my initial interest in EMS came. Um, really, sports venues and delivery of healthcare there. So we really talked about that for a while, and and we decided that the best course of action was to start with a brick and mortar um but as an as a total emergency medicine junkie um the the draw of urgent care wasn't really there for me there's a certain stereotype that goes with with urgent cares and I looked at Matt and I said I don't I don't want a traditional urgent care and he said okay then we won't make a traditional urgent care like think of all the things you don't like and then we will not do those things. Um, so I think, I think that that's the process simple. and the 
the common thread you're looking for with the dog park. It's yeah. like, I love dog parks, but you know, there's, there's an unmet need there and let's break it down and kind of rebuild it. Uh, kind of checking all those boxes. And that's essentially what we've done with range is uh, kind of broken it down to, you know, almost like a first principles kind of concept of um, here is what the, the, kind of minimum things are or the the basic principles that we can't change about urgent care um let's start with that and then add on from there um you know the the necessary pieces in the kind of design that we um we think works best um to solve some of these problems that we're having so once you had the idea for range urgent care uh how long did you take planning like how long did you go from idea to implementation and give us a little time stamp of how that all worked out yeah so um mobile urgent care uh that idea was 2015 kind of in the same time frame as dog park Mm -hmm. uh i'm gonna i'm gonna caveat that with we are just like at the core of who we are just dreamers like we will just talk through ideas and we will talk them to death so we can figure out how to implement them. And all of these things, they just go sort of go to die somewhere in, in the back yeah. of our brains. Um, 200 but, of them out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, somewhere. <laughs> so this was just one of 200. So we weren't and in 2015, like, how do we make this happen? And getting yeah. down, that's not really when it started. It was just one of those, like, little information well, we in moved. the back of our brains. Yeah. 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 But we moved to Asheville, and I kind of have, I no longer have, kind of a daily job to uh, restrain me from dreaming. So uh, that is kind of an all day activity. I'm also getting my MBA. So it was also fueling the creative juices as far as that goes. So I'm still thinking, how do we get this uh, mobile urgent care up and going? Um, and we're in North Asheville at the time. And it just became very clear in that, in that point of time, North Asheville just needs a brick and mortar urgent care. Um, and, uh, so let's let's do that. Um, so it's kind of the the time frame yeah. is twenty twenty sixteen. We started kind of it became more of a real project thinking about uh, a brick and mortar urgent care in North Asheville. Yeah. And, and was that a result of because you have two hundred ideas? Is that a result of somehow <laughs> or another it outcompeted the other ideas, or is it somehow the result of? Um, you know, some spreadsheet modeling, forecasting yeah. thing, or like, how do you, how does that one win? Question. That's a great question. Um, it's much more tangible of an idea. Uh, it's tried and true. Um, there's data on a lot of data on, you know, how to make an urgent care successful. Um, and a lot of that data kind of points to if you just open it, it will mostly be successful. Um, so way less risky, way way higher investment, but way less risky of an investment. I think I think that's even overcomplicating it. I think at the end of the day, I agreed, your mom agreed, and it was something that you and I could do together, yeah. which is also part of it. Where yeah. I'm actually more well, involved in what I think that's probably why you agreed, though. If you if you boiled it down. It's something you were familiar with and could get your kind of brains around. I could visualize how that could work. Yeah. And and so I, I, just because we talked about it quickly, or at least the words came up, and I do think it's worth 
attempting to uh, define. Can you give us a little more on first principles versus what the other way you might, uh, I guess, understand concepts? Well, my kind of my understanding of that is basically you're, you're uh, being selective in what you take for granted as an assumption um, and getting stripping off all of the uh, the non-essential assumptions. Um, and so some of the, the things as it pertains to, to range are, you know, what do we wear at range? Well, obviously you wear scrubs, um, when you're in a healthcare environment. Uh, and so kind of my take on it is like, well, let's not assume that we wear scrubs. Let's, let's rebuild that aspect too. And maybe we land on scrubs. Uh, but let's kind of solve that problem again um, and take into some of these more modern variables. Um, and so that would be one example where at range we, we landed on uh, shirts like this one that Atlas Branding did for us. Um, and the main, it's not a kind of an accidental choice. Um, it's very intentional. We really feel like one of the challenges that healthcare has is kind of an us and them sort of environment um, where you go to the doctor and they tell you kind of from above uh, how to get you better. Um, and it's, it's very partitioned and we wanted to really break those partitions down in kind of every way possible. And so things as simple as a more casual attire, a more inviting attire, um, was very intentional to try to develop more of a relationship with our patients. Um, is that yeah, I, I mean, I, I think at, at the, when we started at, at first principles, the, <laughs> the core of it came, um, with every, every step of the way, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever built a house, but I remember seeing my parents build a house that every single choice they made was a big deal down to like the grout color in the shower in the guest bathroom. Like it was a thing and they thought through every single one of these things. And when you're making a business, it's very similar to that. And so every time we're like, okay, so in the example of Matt, what, what is our uniform going to look like? What do we want our, I don't know, our return to work forms to look like. So every single thing was really thought through of why do we do that this way in traditional healthcare and if it's not necessary and raises any sort of discomfort, then why not get rid of it, yeah. essentially? I, I love that. So the first time I had heard of first principles thinking was when someone was explaining, you know, Elon Musk's philosophies on pretty much everything yeah. uh, from SpaceX to te Tesla and just challenging. My idol. Right, and a, mm -hmm. hard, hard to not be. Um, yeah. And just the idea that he, he challenged every assumption in a business model uh, to find ways to build more revenue or capture more uh, margin or increase the speed at which you can uh, get something from idea to, to execution. So I wanted to uh, circle that again in, in your story because I, I noticed that outside in as well, is that it seems like um, on everything from the brand visual identity to uh, the virtual visits, to almost everything I've seen come out from you just feels fundamentally different than, uh, I don't know what I, I'm imagining, like 
uh, the, the cork board ceiling and like nasty kind of light with, that's just yeah. how, that's yeah. the only experiences I've ever had of, uh, healthcare in, in, the, in my life, or at least when I lived in New York as a child, maybe a family practitioner had a different experience, but it wasn't branded. <laughs> it was just mm -hmm. personal. Yeah. Healthcare carries with it a lot of momentum. I feel like, uh, to do things, you know, sort of the way that they've been done. Um, I, I think more so than other industries, um, it carries, carries that momentum forward. So you just see things not really changing over time. We really wanted to shake that up. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a common saying that you see in EMS systems and hospitals and doctor's offices. It's just, well, cause that's how we've always done it. And if you want to <laughs> irritate Matt, that's what you say. Like, it is what it is. That's how we've always done it. And so it's like, well, no, let's think about how to make this better for our patients and, and our staff and really focus on why, why it has to be that way. And if it doesn't, then we'll make it better. Yeah. Did you create a business plan or, or some sort of formal document to house all of these ideas? And if so, how did you, how did you go about doing that? Uh, we did have a formal business plan. Um, I have mixed feelings on, on formal business plans. Uh, for our purposes, they were 100% required, and, and I think informative and helpful, uh, but required by, for banking. Uh, mm -hmm. We needed kind of a large loan to, to start this, and um, you know, a solid business plan is a key part of that process. So it wasn't really optional for us. Um, we also had a consultant, an urgent care consultant, um, who helped us put that together, um, which was another uh, kind of nice thing about going a brick-and-mortar route is we, again, could rely on people that have done that um, and could really guide us through uh, that process, um, at least kind of what to expect. And then we sort of broke it down and rebuilt it from there, but we had kind of an infrastructure, a foundation of information that we could build off of. Um, and so, um, you know, that was kind of a key part of it. Um, but it, it was out of date about two months after we made it. So yeah, uh, that's business where business plans. plans fall apart is, um, you know, it, you have to either keep them up to date or, or just kind of figure out a system to move forward without them. Yeah. And do you remember when you were first starting what were some of the most challenging things that you were facing or, or obstacles or roadblocks that you come across? Um, uh, there's a, a, the biggest one I can think of is insurance. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the elephant in the room with all healthcare and right or wrong. Matt and I, I mean, we don't love our private insurance uh, industry. Um, I mean, just at the basis of it, <clears throat> I mean, this is probably our biggest roadblock because philosophically we see an industry where you have a consumer and then you have a product in the healthcare industry and then you have someone in the middle who's just taking out billions and billions of dollars from that industry and actually making more money than the supplier. It, I don't know, just so philo philosophically, it just was a really challenging for us and a hard pill to swallow to allow that to happen to our to, you know, us and our patients. Um, so that was our, our biggest challenge is sort of philosophically 
overcoming that, which is a whole ball of wax and really has shaped the way our business has been um, running since we opened. Um, so to me, that was the big, I mean, not to mention, we, we want to do everything different and you have all of these insurance companies saying, well, no, you know, in order to meet the requirements, you have to ask these five questions and you have to ask if they smoked 40 years ago. And, and you have to ask all of these questions that we just don't feel like were necessarily relevant or pertinent and would slow down efficiency and sort of bog the whole process down. So I, my biggest obstacle in opening was insurance. Kind of impeding that, that relationship between our providers and our patients, um, which we kind of hold sacred. Um, and so when we started, we didn't take insurance. And this is kind of, you know, going through this, you know, called a first principles exercise. Like, all right, if we're, if we're starting over with this, uh, you know, insurance only complicates this. We're talking about, you know, $149 kind of average charge here. Um, you know, we think, you know, this should be fairly affordable on its own without the use of insurance. Um, and we get so much more value if insurance is not involved with that relationship. Um, and we really plowed forward with that for, I think, a year um, trying to get that to work. And we really felt like we could create enough of a different experience um, to justify it being more expensive for some people. Um, and then for, for a lot of people, it would work out uh, way better than normal. Um, yeah. I mean, we, that, that concept really started. We had a, I had a friend, um, who just, she had a sore throat, went to an urgent care, got swabbed for strep. It was negative. She got no prescriptions. They filed her insurance, but she hadn't yet met her deductible. So they billed her $350 to, for a, for a negative strep swab. And so you start talking to people and you hear these experiences over and over. My hairdresser had a similar experience and, and, we, we felt at the time that there were enough people with high deductible plans or particularly in Asheville, we have a, an underinsured, uninsured population that, hey, you know, if you can come in and get an x-ray and a procedure and your medication and IV fluids, and if you can do all of this for 149 for the majority of people, that's going to be better than what they could be getting elsewhere. Um, but unfortunately, I don't, I don't think that that messaging came across. And then there was a large, large group of people that we weren't serving that way. There are a lot of people that have good insurance um, that just weren't, obviously, nor would I be very interested in coming in and paying cash for what you're paying your insurance company to pay for. So um, right, you're spending thousands of dollars. And this is kind of, I think, where we underestimated. I'm spending, you know, in some cases, $1,500 a month on insurance premiums. You better believe I'm going to go use that insurance. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I don't care if it's going to be way more painful of an experience. Um, I might have plenty of money to afford the extra cost of not using my insurance in this case, but I don't care. I'm using my insurance. And we ran into a lot of that as well. And so then at some point, it's just like, well, what are we, what are we really doing here? We're here to serve our community. Um, and, you know, we're serving this portion of our community really well. And they're like, very excited about this offering, but we're just completely ignoring these other uh, members of our community. And, and so how do we, how do we bring them into the range family, if you will? Yeah. Um, and then there was a conversation where Matt and I just looked at each other and we we're like, well, why don't we just do 
both? <laughs> like, why? Why are we? Why fighting are we this fighting fight? this fight? Like, why we can't... are we fighting it? Yeah. Why we, can't we're, we're not, not going to take down the healthcare system? Yeah. Single, uh, single-handedly at least, but yeah. this yeah. model could disrupt it in in a yeah. in a much bigger way than I'd say most businesses that we've talked to so far on this podcast at least from my outside opinion, don't seem like they're fundamentally challenging a massive system so much as doing something unique. You are both doing something unique and a part of a fundamental tide change, let's say, in a one of the largest uh, and most moded uh, uh, industries in the world and definitely in the country. And so I think that's uh, tremendous and crazy. And I am one of the people who uh, have had this like sc- literally scarring experience in urgent care. So in, in New York, I was still in my parents' health care. I was in my early 20s. Uh, had a funny, great night with my uh, best friend. And one way or another, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I cut my hand, and I had never cut my hand before, and it was, there was a lot of blood, and I <laughs> wasn't exactly sure what that means. Is it like, do I just go to sleep? Do I put like a bunch of tape on it and just go to sleep? Do I hold, do I just stay up all night and just like watch and see if it stops? Like, or do I go to the, the hospital that's not far from where we were in Manhattan? And so like we Googled urgent care. I went to a place. They put, uh, let's count, three stitches, and I could still, like, the scar is still visible. It was not a great, uh, you know, in terms of uh, dermatology, not a great stitch job, very real scar. Uh, And, like, I think it took years to pay off the almost $2,000, or might have been more, in in total fees. And I was like, I'm never going to a doctor again. I they yeah. I need to lose my hand to go mm-hmm. back to to have an experience like that. I was not treated well. Uh, it was just all of it was was bad and 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 like vague. And so and so the the idea that there's something that exists that's not that was really compelling to me. Yeah, yeah, and I I have to imagine that that requires a lot of education within. But then, like your marketing uh, scope, right? That requires a lot of education to the population. So, how, how, what ways have you tried to educate people about? Hey, this is another option. Uh, this is how it works. Yeah. And yeah, I think I mean that's really it's really hard to convey unless people have gone through it because you hear these stories all the time. But you, I mean, you see it and you're like, these are three little stitches, like. How could this, I mean, it's not going to be that bad. Yeah. And then it ends up being that bad. So it's really hard to, to convey that and and um, and have people understand it unless it's something that happens to him. On a side note, the same thing happened to Matt when he was like 20, right? Yeah. It wasn't a cut, but he you had a n- pretty gnarly ankle sprain, right? Went to a hospital mm-hmm. in Justin, Florida. And then that thing was on our credit, our credit <laughs> report until like like yeah. seven years ago. Like it was there for so long because was, of a strained ankle and didn't know where to go for care. College kid making a decision between cheeseburgers and paying this hospital bill. Seriously. Like I, I think about that today, right? We're, we're business owners. We have some money in the bank. It's not crazy. Our business is doing okay. It's not crazy. But like if we were hit with a $2,000 
fee, yeah. and I'll call it a fine yeah. for being alive, a, a fine, <laughs> like out of the blue, that would that would hurt in a big way. Where it's like two thousand yeah. dollars is we both, or at least one of us gets like a really sick high speed Mac, and we get to do all of our production. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge business asset that we could have had, and yeah. instead it's, you know, it's a scar, <laughs> or it's yeah. you know like what. How is that? And it could happen again tomorrow. It, uh, yeah. You know? And there's no, like, I don't know. It just seems so crazy. Uh, and well, so. The other frustrating part is, like, as the con- consumer of that, I mean, you're a patient. Mm-hmm. But as the consumer of that, you are totally left out of that conversation. I'm sure if you went in and the doc was like, yeah, I could do this, but it's going to be $2,000. You'd be like, eh, I'll stay up all night and put a like a paper towel on it and just wait for it to stop bleeding. Blew but it. like, I just hold it up. It'll go away. Um, but like, you know, at, at some point you're totally left out of that conversation and you don't, you don't have the ability to choose where you want to go or what the best deal is for you. So yes, we focus on experience and price transparency and, you know, cost effective care. But if some, you know, if there's someone out there that's like, I really don't care about experience. I want, you know, some, some guy on the corner to put some glue on it because it's free, then they have that opportunity. Um, so I, I, that's the other frustrating part about healthcare is just, there's just no transparency mm-hmm. in it and you don't know what you're going to get slapped with. You're buying something before you know what it costs. And it's, um, it's a painful experience for a lot of people. Um, yeah. Crazy. So yeah, I mean, that's another, another thing that we try to really harp on is you know exactly what you're going to, yeah. you're going to pay you, yeah. when you walk in the when I go to range, it's going to be $149. Um, you know, that's kind of what, what we shoot for. Um, so people can have that kind of comfort. And, you know, if you know you're going to go a couple times, we'll then get a membership. Yeah. And, you know, it'll you can spread that out. Were, were the, um, was the membership conceived at the same time as a fixed pricing model? Or was one follow the other? No, we actually opened just flat rate $149. Um, and we brought the membership plan online, I think, um, uh, maybe like six months in, um, mm-hmm. kind of seeing the, the benefit of spreading that payment out was kind of the original intent. Um, and then given a discount, um, you know, there's in our community, tons of people that, uh, are more than happy to, uh, pay for their visits, but don't necessarily always have $149 in the bank right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can afford it if we spread it out over time. So that was, it was almost like a payment plan um, for that purpose. Can I ask a business question? Uh, I come from a like a startup, uh, you know, air quotes, high growth startup world in New York. And it was very important that we showed reoccurring revenue for forecasting. Mm-hmm. Is that also one of the benefits of a subscription model is that you can go to a a bank or a lender or an investor and say, and we can forecast out payments that look like this rather than we're relying on people walking in the door. That is a benefit. I think more, uh, more for us, it's actually, um, it helps with seasonality. Uh, when you look at, uh, um, kind of the cash flow of things, you know, spring into summer is just a little slower in urgent mm-hmm. care. Um, and then, uh, fall winter is much busier. So, it kind of does help smooth things out over the course of a year. I think that's the bigger benefit for us uh, um, over kind of projections. Yeah. So you, you would just need to be a uh, like a super operator to fundamentally manage 
cash flows in an erratic kind of model where it's where it's quieter in some seasons or weeks or right. months than others. Right. Cool. Yeah. Where cash flow is a is like a I don't know, like a Rubik's cube of, of sorts. <laughs> and it, some people just know how to manage cash flow and can make all the sizes sides the same color and uh it is complex to me and to us. So I, I hear that. So we talked a little bit about the thing that range does differently, like you don't wear traditional scrubs and you have a subscription-based model and transparent pricing where you tell people up front what they're going to pay before they pay or buy it. Uh, what else are you guys doing that's different? The space, uh, the environment that we provide care is much different as well. Um, you know, I think, more more coffee shop uh relaxed kind of environment trying to take all the the sterility we're still sterile <laughs> but uh you know that sterile feel out of the environment because i think that's a big part of your uh in actually tangibly feeling better is um you know the the environment of which you're being cared yeah. for yeah you know i th- i think a lot of times when people seek healthcare you often feel like you're on the doctor's time where you go in and if it's not, you know, you're a little bit late, you know, they're running behind, like you just kind of have to suck it up and and deal with it. Um, And we don't feel like that's right. We feel like healthcare can be delivered like any hospitality industry, you know, like restaurants and coffee shops of we're glad you're here. Let us take care of you versus like, you have to be here now, now wait. (laughs) Um, So, so we, yeah, so it does seem fair, and it seems it seems like common sense, but unfortunately, it's a, it's it's not how it works out. So, I mean, we we try to always have the concept of of one, how would you want to be treated, and two, just respect for the patient. So the other things that we do, um, we're appointment based. So unlike the ER, or other urgent cares, where you walk in and and you're in a queue, you just kind of wait and. You might be jumped if someone more urgent comes in and, and you don't know how long that queue is, again, with lack of transparency. Um, and then you just you just wait, whereas we we decided very early on, like the worst part is probably waiting of that. I don't know when we're going in. So so we really we harped on how to make that that work. And and what we did is is create an appointment system that really um, just distributes the load of patients. It's just mm-hmm. load distribution over the course of the day. Um, and we adhere to those appointment times. Like we, we are on time. You will be seen exactly at that time. So if you want to, you know, hang out and drink coffee at home and then you stroll in at 12.15 and your appointment's at 12.15, we'll meet you in the waiting room and take you straight back to a room. So we really strive for no waiting room. We don't mm-hmm. want anyone in our waiting room. And so while while guests are welcome there or family members are welcome there, we we try not to make people sit. Um, and then and if you want to, you can. That option's always yours. You know exactly when you're going to be seen. So if you want to sit for three hours, you're welcome to. We'll bring you some coffee. Just but right. like, <laughs> it's nice. I mean, when we first opened, we had a fella come in and do crossword puzzles in our spot just to just to kind of be there. But hang out. Uh, and hang out. But we we really strive to. The common, that. the common thread for us is just the shared decision making. And um, so during flu season, it's pretty bad flu season. It's been kind of overshadowed by coronavirus. Um, you know, we were quite busy. Some some days we had a, uh, really the next appointment would be four hours from now. Um, mm-hmm. 
And, you know, that's not ideal. We, but that is what it is. Like that's the next time we're going to be able to see you. And so we're giving people the choice of, do I want to wait four hours or do I want to go find somewhere else? And, um, you know, that's important to us. And, you know, it isn't always in line with our business, but it's important. And, and, the, and the difference though is, and I can wait for three hours and 45 minutes on my couch with right. a family member, uh, mm-hmm. like warm and comfortable or as comfortable as it can be, uh, rather than in a like faux leather wood armed or no armed fluorescent light room <laughs> with like a 2016 outside magazine on the table, you know, like right. uh, where do, where do I want to be? <laughs> yeah. I, I think I prefer to just know that it's going to be a little while and get there and get helped. And, uh, I, I, I find that, um, Remarkable. I'd, I'd love to know, um, what are some of the common, uh, I guess, treatments or things that you, you do provide or commonly provide? Um, and then what things would kind of fall outside of the scope of, of urgent care? Um, mm-hmm. Like if my arm is hanging off, do I go to urgent care? Uh, it, w- w- so what kind of things do you do? What kind of things don't you do? Yeah, so we... Um... I guess I'll take this one. Yeah, they, yeah that's a good one for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, the big thing that another thing with shared decision making that we do with our patients is we really try to figure out how comfortable the patient is with traditional healthcare in the first place. So we have a large population in Asheville of people who don't they don't necessarily want every pharmaceutical med thrown at them. Um, so we're totally open to alternative therapies and can really talk through with people if they want to try different things like, um, for example, back pain. If someone wants to try, you know, acupuncture, massage, or physical therapy before they jump to muscle relaxers um, and ibuprofen, that's that's something that we're totally open to and, and in fact, encourage. So from that standpoint, we 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 really try to, to treat all comers in the way that they most feel comfortable. Um, urgent care complaints tend to be non-time sensitive complaints. And so as, as someone who's not in medicine, that's a little bit more challenging to know um, beforehand, but things like chest pain, shortness of breath, stroke symptoms, um, significant multi-system trauma, so meaning car accident, getting hit by a car, getting shot, please don't come into the urgent care because we cannot help you with that. So those are things we, we really look at ourselves and say, you know, if, if you need a step beyond what can be done really in, in time sensitive emergency care, then, then we can't help you in, in the urgent care, but things that we can do are um, rashes and, um, you know, urinary tract infections, URIs, allergies, migraines, nausea, vomiting. Um, and then we have expanded our scope pretty pretty heartily where we we can really do outpatient management of, you know, evaluation for appendicitis and um, long bone fractures that otherwise would require um, uh, orthopedic management. So I'll back up a little bit and say a lot of what we do in emergency medicine is actually navigating healthcare. So there, there are some emergencies, but then a lot of times we see patients that don't have a true, you know, true blue sense of the word textbook emergency, and they just don't know what to do next. And so we try to navigate the system for them of like, 
well, I can't fix you here, but I know who can. So let me set up this appointment for you. We, we believe that we can do that at range just as easily as, you know, I can in the emergency department, obviously. So um, a lot of times, even if it's something that's beyond the traditional scope of urgent care, we can still help the patient by getting them to where they need to be and skipping the ER totally. Um, so a good example of that is, is just fractures of, you know, you don't need to go to the ER to see an orthopedist. Let's send you to the orthopedist from here and just get you in right away. You have your x-ray and there you go. And we can help navigate the system. Well, so do you have anything to add in that? Long bone fracture? I'm imagining like a femur fracture. I feel like that would be a really hard bone to break. A long bone. Yeah. So, so probably, not one. The, yeah, probably not the femur. Long bone, I'm going to mean like upper, upper arm. So you could get your, your ankle we can help with. Your upper arm we can help with. Femur. Got it. But that does happen, yeah. Whoa. Heavy. Uh, so whether that would be an example of you come in for a x-ray, right? If the, if the If you can see the bone, go somewhere else. But if you're Please. like, I think I might have broke this, you should maybe come in, we'll do an x-ray, and you can go right to where you need right. to go without having right. to deal with the emergency room. I, now, I know also from the website and from past conversations, you're doing things like, uh, I would call it IV therapy, but I don't know if that's the right way, hydration therapy. Are, are there some yeah. more like, uh, so one would be like reactionary, there's an issue, the other is like kind of proactive maybe in some of the treatments, is that? Preventative. Preventative, is that a good way to describe it? you want to do that one, Matt? Yeah, right. I'll take that uh, one too. Yeah, this is your <laughs> okay. wheelhouse. <here>. <laughs> okay. So one, so we give IV fluids to patients that are dehydrated or, um, you know, have been vomiting so much and haven't been able to keep, to keep fluids down. So yes, one of them is medically necessary. And then there is a wellness factor as well. There are a lot of people who, you know, we have athletes, um, you know, we have a lot of cyclists in the area who really need to get either tanked up before a race, meaning let's, let's get me in tip top shape with my amino acids and, and my minerals and my vitamins before I get started to help with the energy boost. We have um, a hangover cocktail for someone who, you know, spends too much time on South Slope for a little bit and they just don't feel well. And you don't necessarily, I mean, we all know how, how uncomfortable that can feel and oh, yeah. you don't necessarily need a doctor, but you really don't <laughs> want to feel that bad. And so it's like, well, like there's, there's something that we can do to help them. Like, I know what's wrong with you. You have a hangover, you know, what's wrong with you. You have a hangover. So let's make you feel better. You don't actually need the doctor to say that. So, so that's also like an ancillary service we can provide. Um, and then, yeah, just, just wellness. There's some, there's some additional, you know, antioxidants that we can give and energy boosters that we can give um, more on an optional basis. I think our, our wheelhouse, though, our comfort zone is really in the acute injury and illnesses um, and, um, you know, keeping you out of the ER or, or managing those complaints. Um, and, and we try to facilitate wellness as much as we can, but um with uh our our kind of specialty we have emergency trained people who are there for those acute cases mm -hmm. cool uh, i'm i'm ready to now ask what what's coming next but i want to make sure that we're ready to go to the future anything else that's coming to mind for you sarah i and have some questions from our listeners cool about so healthcare in general and i don't know if these are i think these are things that you can help us answer well one of the questions is like, what options do local businesses in Asheville have for healthcare for themselves if they're self-employed or 
healthcare for their employees? Is it something that range can help with? Yeah, um, absolutely. And that is a, um, it's a huge challenge for um, small businesses, um, including our own. Uh, you want to take care of your people, um, but can't necessarily afford, you know, thousands of dollars a month uh, yeah. for insurance plans um, or, or the really good insurance plans. Um, and I think um, there are a lot of options in town to kind of create a combination of those two things because it's important um, to have insurance um, for when you do get into the ER uh, or get into some of these big hospital bills um, where places like range can't really help anymore. Um, but combining, um, combining a, a high deductible plan with something like range or um, Ashwell's another one in town there, they do direct primary care Um they have a monthly uh, subscription plan as well um, and uh, do a great job. But um, so you have kind of the combination where you can fix the cost of 90% of the healthcare needs of your employees um, through one of these monthly plans. Um, and, uh, but then they're still protected uh, if they do end up needing to go into the hospital setting. Um, but yeah, we have an employer an employer membership plan. And if anyone's interested, they can reach out to me and talk more about that. And that was actually, you actually answered my other question, which is like, should I still have insurance if I have a subscription plan with Range? And it looks like they're nodding their heads. Yes. Good idea. We're, we're, <laughs> we're big, we are big advocates of healthcare savings plans. Um, really mm-hmm. takes ownership back of that money. Um, and you can spend it really as, as you want. And so for, for, people who are are young and otherwise healthy that money's still yours you're not giving it away as premium um and it applies to your deductible so once you have sort of that healthcare savings card where it adds up to your deductible like you're you're good to go it's a great insurance plan and so we're huge advocates for high deductible plans with healthcare savings accounts and then sort of ancillary services to, to help with small things along the way Cool. Uh, this begs a fun little um, game we could play, and I, 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 it's a stretch to call it a game, but uh, maybe we throw out some words and then you help us understand the definition, because even in our first attempt to uh, to kind of announce the, the sponsorship, there might have been some misuse words. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so maybe... Uh, Health savings account HSA versus a premium model. I, what what is the alternative? And maybe we define those. Yeah, uh, and, we'll, and we'll go for speed. It doesn't need to be perfect, uh, but proximity and and speed. So HSA versus something else. Traditional. Are, are, are we doing so? Uh, HSA. A lightning round. A lightning round. Yeah. Um, but- HSA is. Um, basically an add-on to an insurance plan um, to where you can contribute tax-free dollars into your um, uh, into a healthcare checking account, essentially, and you go use that checking account around town, um, all uh, tax-free. Um, yeah. You can invest it. It can grow over time tax-free. It's a really, really good tool. And the alternative you is that you, if, you don't, if you don't use it, you counter. lose it type of insurance plan, right? Is that... Am I right to yeah. think about that? Um, 
because HSAs don't is roll over premium. yearly or something. Right. The alternative is a premium uh, plan with a premium uh, that doesn't have an HSA option added on to it, um, where you're just paying your monthly p- premiums, um, and you might have a copay for different visits. You might have a deductible to meet. Um, all of those things are still true with an HSA plan. It's just you have the option with an HSA plan to contribute into uh, this HSA checking account tax-free. Perfect. Stephanie. So, yeah, go for it. Deductible copay. copay. Oh, man, these are better for Matt. So every <laughs> every, um, every and it's okay. So every insurance, what they have is you, you pay a monthly premium that says, yeah, okay, I'll be your insurance company. You just pay me to do it. So they are your insurance company at that point. And then you are required, most insurances, um, unless you have a really good one, have a deductible that you have to meet until before they begin to start putting money towards your plans and your, and your bills. So say you have, you know, a laceration on your hand and you go to the ER and your deductible is $1,500. So you, you go to the ER, you've been paying this premium, you pay $1,500 towards your $2,000 bill, and then your insurance company will foot the rest. Matt, you want to take copay? Yeah, and then uh, a copay, which might be, uh, again, in conjunction with these plans, uh, you know, they all have some combination of all these things to make it extra confusing. Um, so a copay would be like um, for any individual service, you know, you might have an urgent care specific copay of $50. You might have, um, you know, an ER copay of $150. Um your copay can vary based on service and based on plan that you have. Got and you, you, the end user, the person who has this insurance plan, pays the copay, and then the Correct. insurance company pays whatever the remainder might be, and it might be less, and so they right. pay for the whole thing. Yeah, the copay is <sighs> your total out of pocket for that for that visit, uh, in theory, um, and then uh, the insurance company picks up the rest, and you pay that copay every time you go. Well, with the caveat that on the back end of as the business owner, the insurance company doesn't exactly pay what all has been billed. <laughs> They'll just pay whatever they feel like they should pay you um, for for that visit. So um, that's why a lot of times self self pay patients end up actually footing the bill for a lot of other people because they don't have those contracts negotiated um, the way insurance companies do. So it's just this complicated web of words and different ways to pay. How interesting. And I, I read recently that um, insurance is all about like long shot, something bad, like catastrophic yeah. actually happens. And, and, it, and it makes some sense. And something like Wimbledon, I want to say, has for like the last 16 or 17 years paid like a million dollars a year in pandemic insurance and lo- oh. and lost on those bets for like 17 years. And then this year that insurance they had the insurance and they got paid out like 40 million dollars yeah and so it's like it's not the same as healthcare as the yeah. model and insurance but you know every once in a while there's something that you, you can't is. rub dirt yeah. on and fix and you need to have a solution in place that and is right and it's good to know that we can come to you so if what happens when people have come to you and, and i think the speed round's over do you have any more words no, are there any other words we should we should know? Yeah, it's co coinsurance is the other one that trips people Ooh. up. Cool. Uh, if you've heard of that, so uh, you'll have coinsurance uh, added on to copays. Sometimes will be part of a deductible uh, expenditure. So it's basically the percentage of the visit or um, or the uh, cost of the service 
um, that you're responsible for as a patient. Um, so you might have a 30% co-insurance. And mm. um, so if the visit is $200, you'd be responsible for $60 of that. Um, so instead of a fixed amount, which you have with a co-pay, co-insurance is right. a percentage. Right. right. Got it. Who knew? Dang. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, leave, you leave math people in a room long enough, they'll come up with some crazy things. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I have a question for you, Matt. I'm wondering, uh, looking back, did, did you end up completing your MBA? It, you yeah. were Okay. What, if, if there is one, what is a single lesson that stands out from your MBA that has helped you in running this business and growing this business? Uh, good question. Um, I think uh, probably the the biggest lesson um, would be mostly around kind of managing people and sort of motivation um, and how to uh, sort of motivate employees and um, kind of the things to think about in those terms. Um, my background um, in uh, construction engineering, um, I got some lessons about those things through that, but uh, really, um, I think, learned a, a lot more about sort of modern principles in and uh, people management and motivation through through that. I think going into the MBA, um, I would have, I think you'd tell me, how do you motivate someone? Well, you pay them more or you give them a bonus or you, and uh, I think there's been a lot of uh, studies and things that have shown that that's not the case. Um, and it's kind of like an easy way out uh, in motivation and doesn't always achieve the results that, you, that you'd like. So um, really motivating people um, through giving them fulfillment in their jobs and um, uh, trying to align them towards what we're trying to accomplish as a team yeah. and putting our energy more in that space as opposed to how do I financially incentivize you uh, to do things. And yeah. is, is that, um, I think, is that like David Pink, would you say? Like, is there any single Daniel, Daniel Pink? Pink? Is there any Daniel Pink? Daniel Pink? Like um, Drive, does that stand out? Because what yeah. I'm hearing is there's more yep. to it than just money and uh power let's say yeah yeah absolutely um what are some of the specific like if you had to nail down some concrete examples of the ways that you're trying to motivate your team what are you doing good question maybe i'm not i don't know Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think uh we spend a lot of time one giving them kind of the feedback on the back end of in, in healthcare, it's kind of easy um, because they are making such a real impact. If we were selling cookies, I would have a hard time finding these examples, I think, um, potentially. But when you really move someone, and we had one just the other day who reached out after a year um, after their visit with us uh, and messaged us on, on Facebook and said, like, the way that you guys treated me that day was super powerful and, and meaningful to me. And I wanted to say thank you. Um, and we get those, you know, a fair amount. Um, and just looping them back in on that, I think, kind of connects us all of what, what are we doing here? And why are we doing it? Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that I try to do. Um, and I think that gets us all kind of on the same mission. Um, I'm very uh, kind of weary of of misaligned incentives and kind of 
Um, I think Medicare is a great example of where this can go super wrong, where they're trying to monetarily incentivize uh, healthcare providers to do things. And then what you end up getting is a lot of weird decisions that are purely around um, how do I get that, that monetary benefit. Um, and so I, I avoid those like the plague and mm-hmm. probably to a fault where I don't I incentivize anything really financially because I don't want to create these, these strange things. I want people to be on the same mission to provide great care for people. Love that. I'm, or, I, I think, I, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. going to just piggyback onto that. The other, the other thing that's really nice is we were a startup. And so really when we started, we didn't have a culture. We didn't, we didn't, I mean, we've been very fortunate to hire the staff that we have and they've created the warm space that we have there, but we've also given them a say and how, ranges run of like, Hey, if you see something that's messed up and you see that we don't like it, and it's not working for you. Or if it's not working for someone else, like, please tell us and, and we'll fix it. Um, and so I think we've, we've also empowered a lot of people to, to really deliver healthcare the way they want to deliver it as well. And really given them the, the opportunity to do that. Yeah. When, when you think about metrics that you track, if it's not uh, monetary and it, and it might be as a business, but maybe not as an individual player or role player in that business. What kind of metrics do you pay attention to? Is it number of patients served? Uh, what things are we tracking? Yeah, I think the most um, kind of bread and butter metric is just a, a number of patients per day. Um, kind of gives us a good idea of sort of where we're at. Um, um, you know, we don't, we don't spend a lot of time on throughput. We try to build, that's another kind of very classic uh, healthcare metric. Um, KPI, um, we more design our processes, like with the appointment system and stuff to take care of some of that stuff for us, where I don't have to track throughput as much because my, my process sort of dictates what the throughput is. Um, so then I don't have to worry about it. Got it. And on the the actual medical provider side, uh, Stephanie, what kind of things are different in this model than what you've kind of grew used to, perhaps in previous roles? Yeah. Um, well, just base. So, in traditional models, again, appointment based um, um, patient visits has been very helpful because in traditional models, when you have that waiting room, that's just building up and building up and building up just as a provider, I get this, like, I need to, I need to start checking off that list. Like, let me, let me get through, you know, I need to see all of these patients. And, you know, whereas last hour I had two patients now this hour I have eight. And so now I have to really, really boogie and try to keep up. And so, um, having appointments and a set number of patients that you're going to see within that time frame really gives you time to actually sit down and talk to the talk to the patient. There's a ton of shared decision making that happens of, you know, what are you comfortable with? What do you want? Like, what do you want? You know, how do you want to swing this? Um, and I think people really a- appreciate that of the, you know, this is what I recommend, but hey, you know, we have other options that may not be the standard, but if you don't want to do the standard, let's try some other things. Um, so there's just, there's more time and we really allow for our providers to sort of flex and bend based on the, you know, I tell patients all the time, you can choose whatever, it's your body, you can choose whatever you want to do as long as you know what I know. So let's talk through all of this stuff and I'll tell you the risks and benefits of each one and then you choose. And so it really gives a lot of flexibility to 
to care for the patient the way they want to be cared for. Seems so mature and <laughs> rational at the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, wow, um, how is that not what normally happens? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm really curious to learn a little bit more about the dynamic of working together as a husband and wife team. So as you know, Tony and I are husband and wife team. We own a business and this is our first year, uh, A, married and B, owning a business together and living together. And so there's, we've, there's been a big learning curve. Um, how do you guys manage that dynamic, uh, thinking about roles and responsibilities, but also what do you do when there's a conflict? Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Um, I think our biggest uh, kind of advantage or the thing that works best for us is just I know nothing about medicine and um, and I can really stay in my lane pretty well. Although I've, I've started to convince myself for the last six months or so that I, I know more than I do, which is dangerous. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I have just a very clear lane that I can stay in within this business. Um, you know, I, I really you know, manage the business side and, and sort of get involved on things that affect kind of patient experience, um, and that sort of stuff. And then medicine is just all Stephanie. So I think that's crucial. Yeah, it's been, I, it's, we have a natural delineation of, of what we do. So it's kind of, you know, and our staff knows this, like, that's a Stephanie question. That's a Matt question. Like if someone asks, they're like, Oh, that's a Stephanie question. Call her. Or, that's a Matt question. Ask him. So Matt, whereas, I mean, I, I say it all the time, I, I literally just do the medicine. And like, that's probably the easiest part of the whole, I mean, medicine is medicine, no matter where you are. And Our Matt people. wears, <laughs> yeah, Matt wears, Matt wears, you know, the HR and the IT and the, and the, like all of, I don't even know all of the parts of the business <laughs> that you do, but he wears all of the other hats. And so there's a natural yeah. delineation. I think the, I mean, the most interesting part to me is just Matt, um, has just sort of naturally been very good at this. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there's been like, like, I mean, you're not really trained to, I know you have an MBA, but you've never worked sort of in this like corporate business world. And so, you know, this boy that I met in Clemson who went to college football games and broke his ankle skimboarding is now like running a business with, with four page long spreadsheets that I go cross-eyed looking at. And so it's just been, it's been really unique seeing different, size of him that I didn't I didn't know were there I guess but hopefully that's not insulting (laughs) I see that as a as a thing that we're I'm recognizing as well as I'm I'm learning all these new sides of Sarah seeing her in her element and that's um that's what I heard with what you you just said Stephanie Mm -hmm. uh I'm now going we're going to pivot again and and talk about the future I know that there are some pretty big things happening for range in the near future Tell us a little bit about what the rest of 2020 has in store. Yeah. Um, so um, pre-coronavirus, we um, we had a lot of momentum towards growth and had were pretty far down the road of opening our second clinic in Black Mountain. And so that has still been able to kind of keep that on track. Um, so that clinic opens uh, June 1. Um, if we can keep things on track the next four weeks or so. Um, and we're super excited about that. Um, it's kind of, I think we're taking everything we sort of learned from our North Asheville space, um, and kind of expanding on it and, and building out even more, uh, things that, um, are going to be pretty cool for, for people in Black Mountain. Um, 
And then we're also taking everything back full circle uh, to where everything started with our, uh, we're launching a house calls program uh, initially for our North Asheville community. So um, for uh, North Asheville, we'll be able to um, go to your house and uh, do some tests or some treatment um, and kind of keep you out of the clinic, uh, which will be appropriate, I think, for this, uh, for this current climate. But then also going forward, um, it's just when you're when you have the flu and uh, you're vomiting everywhere, the last thing you want to do is is go sit in a waiting room somewhere or sit in a doctor's office. Um, as nice as we make our, our office, it's, you're still not going to want to be there. So we'll come to you and uh, kind of be where you want to be. Um, so those are our two two exciting things on the radar. And that, that'll also be in June. Amazing. Um one thing that we didn't talk about that, uh, or, or I don't think we talked about, is virtual visits. So I, 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 I sort of aligned virtual visits with this like very old school, like the doctor shows up with a bag, except it's on your computer screen. Uh, and so I find it interesting that like this modern version of a house call is now being paired with a classic version of a house call. Is is there like any what what was the why don't I think of doctors going to people's homes as like a thing that happens at all in present day or does it happen? I just don't know about it. It's starting to happen more and more. I think there's, it's been kind of an interesting uh, flow of things. So back in the day, doctors would come to your house. There wasn't a lot of technology involved in providing care. You would have your uh, kind of paper charts and your prescription pad and, um, and that sort of thing as technology advanced and we had computers and stuff, well, everything had to move into the brick and mortar where that could really facilitate, um, the technology that was needed to care for people. Well, now technology has advanced to the point where we don't need brick and mortar anymore. We can take it out of the brick and mortar. And so we are seeing that across the country, um, uh, more house call operations kind of popping up. And that's, I think the primary reason is technology facilitates it again. We always wanted to be able to do that. Yeah. We were just limited in technology. So imagining like a iPad and a phone and a doctor can do most things with mm-hmm. some sort of like a finger clip or yep. uh, cool. They have EKGs you can EKG. put in your pocket. Mm, yeah. EKGs, a lot of, lot of acronyms on this uh, episode. <laughs> Electrocardiogram is my guess. Yeah. Yes. Right, okay. right. Right. What that means, who knows? All who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, I know sh- what it is. <laughs> Our show notes page is just yeah, going to be like this acronym long city. Like, <laughs> health vocabulary that you need to know. <laughs> uh, so fun. No, it's good. It's good. Um, anything else coming up for the future that you wanted to mention? Definitely. plans? So 2020, let's go into the, the real world, <laughs> uh, human life, right? So we're in a weird time, right? Mm-hmm. Time stamped. We're at the end of April, 2020, uh, you know, coronavirus is still in. We got more time. Like it's, it's, it's groundhog's day and the groundhog sees its shadow. It keeps getting pushed out. And I'm kind of cool with that even when air quotes, the country reopens, uh, we're probably going to be still doing what we're doing, which is video podcast and working right. from home. So uh, what is 2020 as on like a personal frontier look like for you, for you both, anything uh, Asheville based or family based that you're excited about? Yeah. Well, we have a, we have a two-year-old and a three-year-old who 
I'll be surprised if you don't hear screams in the background. They just got back. (laughs) But spending spending a lot of time, I mean, we're the same as you, you know, it's it's Groundhog's Day for for the rest of the world, but this is kind of what we do. I, I go to work at the ER, we're working at range, and then we're home with our two toddlers. So um, I don't, I don't, I mean, is there a personal life when you have two toddlers? <laughs> Matt, do you have, do you have is, anything? I mean, I, personal life, yeah. that's the personal life. That's it. We just um, hang out with our kids and trying to teach our son how to ride a bike. And Ooh, that's cool. You using the guard. balance bikes? We're going balance bike. I see that. That is another thing. I'm like, how did this not exist for so long? The balance bike is the the bike version of range (laughs) to me. It's like, it just makes so much sense. Yeah. That that has been a controversy in our house. I'm I'm very, I'm a pedal guy. Like pedals are very efficient. Uh, Eventually, once the balancing, once the balancing thing is figured out. Yeah. Thank you. And it, Graham, our son is not a pedal guy, so that he kind of made the decision for us. He doesn't like yeah. the pedal, so so he does the balance bike. Cool. Um, yeah, so that's I mean nothing. And then trying to get this, uh, I equate opening a clinic to having a a baby. So we're gonna have a newborn here for the the second half of 2020 that we're working with, and learning our new community in Black Mountain. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's a beautiful community. We have a number of friends that live out there. We, um, you know. We like to say heart eyes. We have heart eyes for Black Mountain. I think it's a cute, yeah. uh, special little place. It is. We love it out there too. We're excited to explore it. In a in a pre-corona and hopefully post-corona, what kind of family things did you all love doing in Asheville? Like what stands out? Yeah, I think we talk all the time. Well, not all the time, but we frequently say if we could go back, you know, to last summer before Corona what is the one thing that you would do? And I think we, we are both either on the, the bold rock, we would go out to bold rock and in, in Mills river and just let the kids run. What do you, um, Sierra Nevada. That's another Sierra one. Sierra Nevada, really, really like, um, but even just simple things like, uh, going to the pool is a lot of fun. <laughs> going to the uh, pool. Like, yeah. Looking forward to be able to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here. Little, we're missing. Uh, we're missing some Zillacoa backyard sitting with some tacos. That's. It's like right around this time we moved last year, and like those are some of the first moments that I think kind of like imprinted on my brain about Asheville. It was just like a uh, a down tempo brewery yeah. yard experience, uh, mm-hmm. and we're starting to experience that weather again. And I, it, yeah, it's, it's becoming more it. real. It's becoming more real. Yeah. Shall we move into our speed round? Yes, we should. Let's do it. Okay, speed round is meant to be um, kind of like a word association where you just give a quick little answer to yeah, a very I... simple question. And so I'll just uh, ask the question and ask each of you. Don't worry, it's nothing embarrassing. Uh, mm-hmm. I imagine that you both drink a lot of coffee because you have two toddlers and you work in a healthcare. Uh, what's your favorite coffee, Stephanie? kind of coffee coffee place brew style uh, just oh just black coffee black coffee just, or almond milk easy straight easy up. peasy drip black drip coffee, coffee. <laughs> drip black coffee love it easy peasy what about you matt uh the cubano from high five i dream about it Ooh, uh, yeah. daily yeah. yeah i'm a cubano girl too so that's my i love it favorite. we do we do aeropress at home that's our little fancy, our one act of fanciness mm. with coffee. Luxury. 
luxury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have two minutes to brew your coffee? Yeah. <laughs> What's that like? Wait till you have kids. That's what they're saying. Wait till you have kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're going to have invest in a big pot is tripping yeah, we'll, all have, we'll have drip oh, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> we do like one big drip cup in the mm-hmm. pot a day yeah. <laughs> um, you Matt. mean reheated in the microwave yeah. coffee yes yeah. That's what my, I, if my you go to my grandma if you go to my yeah. parents house there was always a cup in the in the, the microwave that was forgotten yeah. about that was reheated hours ago yep. and they get to reheat it when it gets discovered yep. again <laughs> yeah i feel that Matt, what are what are you reading right now? Um, I just got the uh, the book from your previous guest, um, and now the, the, I'm blanking on the name, but uh, the rise the rise of Asheville, rise of Asheville, mm-hmm. yes, thank Ooh, you. Yeah, I, it arrived via Amazon uh, a day or two ago, so I need to get started on that. I do have I'm, I'm not a avid reader, um, so uh, it's it's pretty big when I pick out a book to read. So you, are you more auditory? We talked about podcasts, yes. I think pre episode, yeah. but so podcast is what you ingest for content. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Nice. Stephanie, what, what are you reading right now? I am uh, reading all the light we cannot see. Started oh, now. yeah. Did I read that? <laughs> you did. I definitely remember I, seeing that on the you, shelf. You, 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 I, you, you read it. <laughs> I remember yes, sleeping. Like, like we would, we read at night and I'm like, I, I I feel like I read it. It was a it was a month. All the yeah, light we can see. Uh, Beautiful book. Dipping dipping my toe into the historical fiction. I like it. Cool. Good. I uh, I also am in a historical fiction kind of kick. I was get I was I'm like a I don't know. I used to read almost exclusively nonfiction business books and like uh, productivity or whatever it was. And and reading that at night, I realized it's just not good for me so i'm reading these like quasi biography quasi uh history books and they're the ones that i have on my you know nightstand right now are tomes and they're just like there's no way i'm getting through these things but they're fun <laughs> like each chapter is exhilarating i don't know so i, I love the historical fiction yeah. play yeah good. Good. good all right final question this one may require a little bit more uh of a lengthy answer but if we had a magic wand or someone in our audience had a magic wand and could help you with one thing, if you had one request, what would you ask for? And we will start with Stephanie. Like in life or in business? In life. It could be, it could be as simple as I want a taco from Taco Billy right now, or oh, I, got I want world peace. <laughs> Uh, oh well, come on, world peace clearly. But if it, <laughs> if we want like my where my brain, I would love a grandparent to live very nearby to watch our kids when we need them to. So interesting. Mm. Yep. Mm. Cool. Heard. Okay, mom, do you hear that? When we have kids, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you gotta move here. All right, yeah. Matt. What about for you? What's what's your magic wand? Ask? I think I'd, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, apply it. To undoing this uh, coronavirus mess uh, in some way, um, you know, I think it's just been tragic uh, on so many different levels, um, and there's so many sad stories coming out of this. That if we could possibly undo any of that, um, that's what I would use my wand for. Not to be too serious here, but that's <laughs> a great, it's a great answer. I, uh, I hope that 
in some way both of those come true. I want that a grandparent moves <laughs> to town, and I want that they're we, related. We can't. Related. We can't. Those undo two things it. are related. We yeah. can't undo it, but like you know, solve for this thing, solve for X as quickly as possible would be really yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, and so, is that our last speed round That's question? Our last speed round so question. the last last question is: Where in the wide world might people find you on the internet and follow your story and participate? Uh, website is rangeurgentcare.com. Uh, and then they can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Range Urgent Care. Perfect. And that was an episode. Thank you both so much for your time today. Yeah, Thank you. It's an honor to be on. And that was episode 53 with Matt and Stephanie of Range Urgent Care People. Do you see why we are so excited about this season's sponsor? Do you see how amazing it can be to just ask questions like, why why does it have to be that way? How can we do it differently? What is actually important in the process? It's just um, we're, we're very excited about range. We're excited about having them in our community and uh, couldn't be more thankful that they came on the podcast and got to share their story. Uh, if you have any questions or if you're excited about this episode as we are, please let us know uh, by visiting makingitinashville.com forward slash 053. That's our show notes page. If you loved this episode, please let us know by uh, like leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. We have links to that in the description of the podcast and on the show notes page. That uh, review that five-star review helps these episodes get seen and discovered and for that we are so thankful yeah and if you're new here uh, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter you can go to making it forward slash subscribe uh, that's where we announce new episodes new events behind the scenes details about each episode there's a lot of great information there so we invite you and welcome you and, to join the club and we're double underlining those new events so this week uh, as this episode comes out, so it's going to be a little stale if you listen to this in the future, but we're having a podcasting workshop that's co-sponsored and um, really created uh, in large part by Buncombe County Libraries. It's an exciting opportunity for us. The workshop is entirely free. We have like 90-something people so far mm -hmm. RSVP to be a part of the class. It's e online, and so it's you online. can join yeah. from your couch. You can participate from your couch. And so it's, it's things like that that you hear about when you're on our email list. We have a bunch of other ideas to add value to this community, to teach, to coach, to train, um, to create uh, a deeper community than we already have. And uh, if you want to hear about those things, it's the email list. Yeah. And... Uh also, don't forget that uh, our sponsor, Range Urgent Care, has generously offered a very special offer for all of our listeners. Mm -hmm. um, they are giving away one free month of an annual membership subscription when you sign up. To get that special offer, just go to makingitinashville.com forward slash range. Um, we have all the details there and links to ways you can sign up. Perfect. And uh, we also want to let you know that Sarah and I have a marketing strategy, sales strategy, business. Uh, we call it making it creative. We work with a number of businesses here in 
Asheville and uh, several across the country that are really looking for ways to think about their business in a new way, to build deeper relationships with their customers. Those deeper relationships, if we're doing our jobs right uh, and working with you powerfully, that, that means that they're going to be spending more money. Your business will be growing. Uh, and so if you're interested in learning more about making it creative, please visit makingitcreative.com. And last but not least, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on our podcast, you can nominate them at makingitinashville.com forward slash podcast. And don't forget to sign up for our Monday Maker Mixers. These are our monthly networking events that are held on the last Monday of every month. We'd love to meet you in person. We'd love to hear about your business. We'd love to just see your face. Um, you can go to makingitinashville.com forward slash events to sign up for the next Monday Maker Mixer. And that was episode... 53. It is the first episode of our second year. And Sarah, I dare say it was a lot better than the first episode of our first year. Ooh, yes. Ooh, yes. <laughs> uh, so <I> thank, <laughs> thank you, listener, for making it this deep into the episode. Uh, thank you, Sarah, for being my partner in crime. And we'll see you guys next week. High five. High five. <laughs>